You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. And welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, a, a special post-Black Friday episode. Uh, we're live from two different states across the United States. We think Coming it's live. At you. Can you see us? Can you yeah. hear us? Can, any technical difficulties today? We Did we always... do it this time? Yeah, so crazy. <laughs> um, but welcome. We're a Dungeons & Dragons talk show. We're going to talk about uh, all of the crazy things that happened, because we were off last week, and Dragonlance dropped, and a bunch of other stuff. Um so yeah, lots to talk about. Let's dive in. First of all, there's really big discounts on Amazon for, I mean, just about everything, but also for specifically D&D books. Yeah. For, um, for those, is Black Friday a thing anywhere else but our country? <laughs> I, I don't think, well, Christmas shopping is a webpage like on Amazon show Black but Friday, like, like if you're in yeah, I don't know. England or something? Uh, Australia. Because, uh, yeah, those Thanksgiving in chat, is let us like, know. American Thanksgiving is, is an American thing, so... Yeah, I know there's Canadian Thanksgiving and other things, but um, but and if you don't know what we're talking about, after that, traditionally the commercial corporations latched on to the Friday after Thanksgiving being one of the biggest days people would go out shopping to buy all their Christmas presents. Christmas yeah. presents, the holiday just started, so they do all these sales and they do these crazy things, and people would be like storming into stores at five in the morning. This used to be a big thing, right? Cats and dogs <laughs> living <laughs> together. Yeah, yeah, and then it went to Cyber Mondays, and yeah. it was like, what? And now it's like the whole weekend is just deals, because yeah. everyone's competing for each other. Um, did you ever work a Black Friday at a retail? I I did not, and I, I'm trying to remember, I think there was one Black Friday where I was up at like 3 or 4 in the morning when they were going to open the store early to get into somewhere to get something, and I'd only done that one time. All the other times... I just watch videos of people doing it and laugh at them. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I I only I worked retail once but never on a Black Friday, but uh, well, I take that back. So when I was younger uh, in high school, they said, "Hey, uh, you can work. We need extra people to work Black Friday." Mm-hmm. And uh, if you do, uh, it was like a charity thing. They were going to donate our paychecks to a charity of our choice. And I was like, oh, I can kind of get behind that. Like, oh, I'm young. I'll go do that, you know? And so a bunch mm-hmm. of us, like, honor society kids went and did it to, like, look good on college applications or something. And you have to get there at, like, 2 or 3 in the morning because they're opening at, like, 4 or 3, I forget. Something crazy, yeah. And yeah. they gave us, like, a rundown of, like, what to do. And we're like, okay. And they put me in the toy section, which I was really excited about because <laughs> I like toys. I'm a kid, you know? I'm still a kid at heart. I'm, I'm just like, oh, toys, this is great. <laughs> and we're there, and uh, they open the doors, and just floods of people. I was like, this is ridiculous. And I don't Stampede. live in a big city, but like, this was like, what is happening? People go crazy. They go crazy. And that was the year that Tickle Me Elmo was like oh. the big thing. And I had, I can't even tell they you how many people came up to thing. me and said, well, do you have it? And I was like, no. Like, I was just like, I don't, I don't think so. And we'd look <laughs> around, and they're like, are you try- and like one lady got really angry, like I was trying to mislead her me? so other people could get the tickle me Elmo, but I was like, literally, we don't have any. Uh, it was awful, um, yeah. and so I really hope that money did something good in the world because <laughs> it didn't make my life any better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it's funny that that's like that's the quintessential, right? The Tickle Me Elmo was the thing they would even make the movies about to kind yeah. of meme on Furbies. a little bit and say, yeah, Furbies was that was a one. big one for yeah. It was, oh. and it was like, oh, you can you can't get one. Everybody wants one. I don't know. Yeah, it was like the idea of the rich parent trying to find the thing for their kid that they neglect all the time, anyways. But then they want this one thing to make up for it, and it doesn't yeah. go well, and it turns into a, like a planes, trains, and automobiles across the country extravaganza. <laughs> yeah, these are and big, and, cool and movies. Nowadays, from the it would be you probably 90s. see like Tickle Me Elmo scalped like PS5s or something. Yeah, like yeah, last year would have been PS5s would have been the thing. I yeah, couldn't find one crazy. anywhere. <laughs> um, but so stories aside amazon has some big discounts on the uh 5e wizards of the coast 5e books so uh usually all the uh, third party stuff it's pretty reasonable but like this stuff is is discounted pretty big so the big one for me was the php is 20 bucks like 19 dollars yeah um xanathar's is 24 and then i wanted to put some that i recommend uh because a lot of them are cheaper but i really love i think acquisitions incorporated is a great addition to your game um it's a fun adventure to run it is also uh the mechanics behind it i think are really good for a lot of games Mm -hmm. um eberron rising from the last door is 27 dollars, and if you want to run an eberron game it's perfect if you are not interested in eberron it's you you could probably not wait are these normal amazon prices like what you buy your books from amazon is this the normal price you would be paying no they're usually like 40 like like it's oh, okay. fifty dollar MSRP, so they're usually yeah. down to thirty five forty, I think. Oh, okay, so this so is definitely down. This okay. is definitely down from that. Yeah, that's half. Yeah, yeah. Because I so, go to the comic book store fifty bucks, and I keep thinking, why don't I do it like Jordan and just pay thirty bucks on Amazon? Yeah. But I go into the store and get it for forty nine ninety nine in tax. <laughs> um, and then Dragon Heist, Tales from the Yawning Portal, and Ghosts of Saltmarsh. I think all. Well, Dragon Heist is a standalone adventure, but all of those are fun little like let's just run through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel. We were talking about how good that book is. It's twenty nine dollars. And Spell Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, which is another good book that I think you just to have to your five E arsenal is good. And that's twenty five dollars. So, um, and then I on top endorse Ack Inc. from okay. your list. Xanathar for sure. If you don't have a PHB, why not at nineteen bucks? Go we'll have Salt an extra Marsh, one. I think is you know, like, one of their best. Get it to your friends to get them adventure DVD. books ever. <laughs> Journey through this Radiant Citadel, I loved reading, and I'd love to play through them. So those are the ones I endorse also. <laughs> Not that anybody cares. <laughs> um, but we do, That's yeah, somebody in chat is, yeah, Sky says, you should support local local brick and mortar. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Uh, if, you, if you're going to shop, <laughs> shop local for sure, but... Uh, sometimes when you're poor, it's hard to pass up some of those deals. Yeah, and I think if you're a person that's trying to buy all the books all the time, I'm willing to give you a little leeway on your your morality there because, you know, it's a lot of books, releases all the time, but sure. I, and I do try to support my... I go in once, right after the show, usually is my trip. I go down there and look to see if there's anything cool and new. They yeah, have gone the crazy saving. with the miniatures. Yeah. That, I feel like when I walk in that store right now, I don't know if your comic book store has been different in the last couple of years, but now it feels like it's half of it is D&D miniatures, and it's yeah. like a wall of giant dragons and yawning portals. Yeah, and, and that's probably and like WizKids' fault because they've been pumping, I mean, for Paizo and, and for... they don't look cheap. Yeah, they're not cheap, but they've been making a lot of them is what Ooh. I'm saying. Like, the, like WizKids yeah. was making Paizo ones, and then they started making 5e ones, and they're selling. And the pre-painted ones are big with certain people, and so they're like, oh, yeah. well. Yeah. And the shelf space that's taken up, I mean, is significant. When I go when I go uh, today, 
I'll take a picture of it so you guys can kind of see it from my comic book store because they have like a big, they have like a wall of board games which I love because it has all the cool board games you could possibly want, and then it had a really small section of the RPG TRPGs which you guys mm-hmm. have probably seen on my Twitter every now and then because I take a picture of it to show you what's there, and then they would have some island areas that might have some miniatures on it and it used to be the x-wing star wars miniature game had a pretty big block because they were selling those ships that you could play that game and it was ship combat which was really cool looked really cool all pre-painted looked really awesome but that was kind of the big miniature stuff and then the other ones were unpainted miniatures and they had an area for it but i wouldn't say it was big now you go in there it's taken up one quarter of where the board games used to be. <laughs> now it's miniatures. And then they got islands of miniatures and they've got pre-painted, not painted, you know, and then there's other companies that are jumping in. They've got Paizo stuff in there. They've got, um, there's all kinds. So yeah, they went crazy these last couple of years. I wonder if it's because the 3d printing printers, I mean, it's obvious that the hobbyist it's come down so far that hobbyists can do it now. Yeah, I imagine that maybe the printers they use to do stuff, maybe their prices have come way down too. So now they maybe they just have like a bonanza of stuff that they can do now too because it, the whole market of 3D printing has come come down to that super affordable. I mean, you you realize right now you could buy a 3D printer printer and you could make any cool 80s or 90s toy you saw on a commercial you wanted your parents couldn't get you and you could just print one up. I mean, G.I. Joe, He-Man, There's a, a copyright talk in there, but, but hypothetically, not sell yes. it. I think you can have it, right? You can make uh, it. No, I'm not allowed not? to make my own version oh, of the I didn't toy. Know that. You, I mean, there's still, like, that's an artist that's copyrighted their, uh, no their G.I. Joe just mold, one. you know? But <laughs> but the thing is, is that people do. They're, they scan yeah. them in. They make it's on YouTube. It, I was so. oh, yeah, yeah. I dove into no. the whole thing, and they're watching. I don't know the ethics of it. I I don't think we're necessarily the show to be talking about the ethics. That's of probably true. I know nothing but... about this, <laughs> but I thought it was kind of cool that like, or but terrain, don't... there's people making terrain for yeah. their games and there's people making, and I think you can purchase like the files. So I assume that the yeah. people are selling those files can, can do that legally. Yes. Like money cook games. They have, uh, some of their kickstarters come Hero with, Forge. um, come with, uh, uh, STL files is what they're called. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Purchase your STA files. I'll say that. <laughs> Maybe that's what I should have said. And then you could have your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. I never got to buy the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figures, or I could build the aircraft carrier or a aircraft carrier. And I could have the GI Joe aircraft carrier, which was the, the most coveted toy in my generation. Maybe yours was Furby and, and Tickle Me Elmo, but mine was the kids' parents who actually bought the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier to play on because it was six feet long and it was insane. Had an F-14 jet on the top of it. Heck yeah. It's crazy. So. Uh, I was all about the extra. But Hero Forge, too. But yeah. Yeah, I've been no, looking so at Hero them. Forge, you can make your own ones and print them out. Um, yeah. The, I mean, WizKids and a lot of those other ones, they're not printing those. Those are injection molding. So the plastic is a little more uniform and they're a little more sturdy. Um, but you're right. I think I think just the access to 3D high quality rendering Look software at the to make these, you know, yeah. like yeah. there's a lot of them. There's I can't tell you. There's so many Kickstarters that contact me. Uh, sorry, not Kickstarters. Patreon people that are like, hey, can you? I want to like you know buy an ad slot for your your for my Patreon. And I was like, what? But it's like they're making 
um, 3D printable like monsters and terrain. And when you oh. sign on to their Patreon, you get access to the old STL files, and they're just kind of building oh yeah, like there's subs- I've seen some subscription and it's things, a business. Like every month it's like they a put subscription. Stuff out. Yeah, they use yeah. Patreon as a subscription service, and they have modelers stuff. building really cool stuff for sure. I think it's a. I feel like we're it's like a renaissance of that technology because I've mm-hmm. seen some really cool stuff that people are making, and I mean this stuff looks good, and it's all. I mean, you could put it on your table, and you could paint it, and you could you know do whatever. I wonder if the VTTs will usurp that i doubt it though so many people love to have like the miniature collections and stuff so no i think that's the one reason have you played any have you seen people play dungeons and dragons on tabletop simulator the one cool thing about that is they build the board out on tabletop simulator because it's a board game simulator but they put a table down like you're at a table and then they build the miniatures like they're a miniature and you can move the miniatures around virtually like you were sitting at a, a home table and you can have a Coke can sitting next to you for ambiance, <laughs> and you can have your dice and everything. I think it's really cool. And um, Brandon Sanderson just was the main writer on a game that's a uh, – they made all their characters look like miniatures. They have little round bases, and you can paint mm. them and everything. But then it has a game that's like a MOBA, like a, a League of Legends kind of thing. But they decided to make the characters look like miniatures instead of just um, – you know, be the characters that they are. And I thought yeah, that was yeah. a cool idea. And a lot of people like, really dove into it, really liked it, because they thought, oh, that's kind of a cool way to, to build a character. Make it different, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And I want to do Hero Forge for sure. Like, isn't, does Ted build your guys' miniatures? Does Ted, Ted must have a printer. Um, I don't play at the table with scene. Ted, so, uh, but he does have a 3D printer. He 3D printed LB's uh, tiefling horns. But yeah, there we go. Okay, I, he, yeah, he would be the guy. No, DM Nathan video. has a 3D printer, and every oh, time we start a new game with go. him, he's the that's one. That's right. Like, I, I remember that. Now. He's like, go make a thing, <laughs> buy the STL file. It's like five dollars. Yeah. Send it to me, and we'll print it. And so yeah. Well, um, I was just watching a video about a dungeon master who was um, telling everybody they should have a 3D printer if you're a dungeon master and you play at home because he was like. The things you can do for just like five cents, like you could build, he built a sword that while they're doing their miniature thing, the bad guy drops the sword. Then he adds it to the model of one of the characters that's going to take it and equip it. And then it shows up on their miniature the next game that they go to play for next week. And it now has the sword from the bad guy. And so they can change the things with the campaign as it's happening and you can put those kinds of things in as a dungeon master you know the spear of destiny is here or the sword of you know whatever coolness is here and you can put that stuff on your board and then and then even add it into the models and then model your your players mm-hmm. and i was like that's such a cool idea yeah so, pretty good i think it'd be fun uh that was our mini segment. Thank you so much, Whiskid sponsor us. <laughs> That's our new one. <laughs> uh, so Black Friday sales are also going to itch.io. Um, they're having nice. big sales there. And the cool thing about this is this is a weekend, I think, or maybe it was just Friday. So I hope it's the whole weekend where itch is not going to take a cut of the sale or a cut of the, the yeah, of the sale. So if you spend $4 for a PDF, the creator gets gets all $4 of that. So on top of it, like they've discounted everything and then itch is not taking any, any cut. And so the, you know, the creator gets more money. And so I was like, that's really cool. Um, So, you know, Lex and I have done a bunch of, of itch.io indie RPGs on uh, the Jocular Junction channel. So you should go check that Mm -hmm. out. 
because there's lots of cool. He has a bunch on there. there. Yeah, <laughs> right. he's got yeah shifting sands. Go get shifting sands. It's yeah. great. It's like a shifting. He's got good stuff on there. Uh, or the shifting city. Sorry, it's this uh, city that you can plop into any game. It's or Ben's really... stuff is probably over there too. I would imagine. Yeah, I bet Naves on there and things like that. Nave, and you know, yeah. oh gosh, everybody. Uh, I just picked up the new holiday module for DCC um, because they're having a big sale on Drive Through RPG. So you can do that. Goodman Games is having a big sale. They have like Black Friday 2022 as a code, and you can buy a bunch of stuff. So uh, it's a yeah. big thing. I don't know. It's everybody's fighting for your money. Everybody's spending so, money. There you Hope go. you got it. Uh, Warriors of Kryn. So this is the the board game that they're releasing alongside the book, and out on their website they have a bunch of videos. They did an unboxing. They talk about what it is. You know, they they try to make sure you understand that. You, it's standalone. You don't have to have the role-playing game. You can just play it as a, a board game. You can incorporate it with your campaigns. You don't have to have both to do it. And I thought that was interesting. In fact, I just read that you shouldn't let your players... If you're playing the campaign, don't let them read the rule book for this board game. Because it spoils not. a lot of the <laughs> campaign. Yeah, so. I could see that. I could see that. I was wondering... Um, and so they do have several videos. So if you're looking at getting this... I was wondering, is is this a thing that's on Jordan's radar? You know, it's it's not. Um, and specifically, okay. I was reading some reviews of it on uh, Thursday, I think. Thursday or – no, yeah, Thursday. And uh, they were saying, like, well, I mean, it, it's kind of confusing. Like, it's not the best layout rules-wise. And um, really, it's that mass combat – that I think I would use Colville's stuff for. Like, that's kind of right. what I... <laughs> that's what, yeah, that's what and I And <laughs> I don't know. I haven't done a... I haven't done a let's compare and contrast the two systems. And, I, and mostly, you know, I don't have Dragonlance yet. I don't have this board game. So, like, I don't know. But th- I've used Colville's version. And so it's like, in my mind, I'm like, well, if I want to do that, I'll just throw that in really quick. Like, I don't... And I already mm-hmm. own that book. Uh, so I don't know. But I... I think... I'll wait until it's out out, which is December 6th. And then a bunch of people will be doing some, how do you play warriors of Kryn videos? Uh, who knows? Yeah, uh, I Wizards think I need of to the watch Coast will probably before. put out one. Yeah. And then you could look at it and be like, Oh, that actually sounds really fun because yeah. I have no plans on running a Dragonlance campaign. So this would have to be just a fun board game that I want to play by itself. You know, yeah. I-, I am curious what the rules are and allow you to do for a mass battle, just in case you happen to have that happen in your combat. And one of the videos I did listen to where they were describing it is that you're really building a scene that your players can take place in somewhere in that big battle. It's not about your players controlling that whole big battle. And I thought that was an interesting idea of all right, there's this big mass battle that's going on, but over here, you guys are dealing with this thing, you know, and here's the scene that's set, and here's the noise, and the, in the distance, you can see the, you know, units of things crashing into each other and dragons strafing and whatever, but over here, you're fighting this ogre lieutenant because if it gets unleashed, it's going to take out your flank or something, and then you're yeah. doing, like, a, a some type of thing there, so I, I kind of wonder, but I do, like... Coville's was always he wanted to keep it simple i thought the lore behind the units in themselves and how you might get them and and being able to use them i always thought added to that whole thing and the other one i would maybe compare it to is um i'd like to see what it looks like compared to pathfinder's kingsmaker because that's all about building a kingdom and being a ruler and i'm sure it must have 
because in the video game that I've played, uh, Path of Righteous, or Wrath of Righteous, and I believe in Kingsmaker, there's a portion of that video game part where you do have units and you can do a, a tactical strategic battle. Mm-hmm. And then you go back down into your parties moving around and doing things. So I, I imagine that the books have that also. I just have not, I don't have Kingsmaker yet. I'm going to get it on, I think on Roll20 is what I was looking at. It. Okay. Possibly yeah, so Dragonlance, I was looking at uh, some reviews and stuff, and they were saying that the mass combat, it, it's a lot of what you were describing, but uh, I, I was going to call it Fog of War, but it's not that. But there's a there's a ring kind of like around your fighting area on the map, and that mm-hmm. is to simulate, uh, like if you go past that ring, that's like a bunch of a fighting is going on. So yeah. it really focuses on like you need to stay here, um, but if you go thing. into that yeah. area, you you have to make a dexterity saving throw or you take damage because there's just so much attacks going on. So much crap. And you're right. You're like, okay, my objective is to stop the ogre lieutenant. But then while we're fighting, oh my gosh, Lord Soth comes in with a dragon and he creates some kind of extra damage on the field and then flies off. It yeah. could be a really fun way to do some uh, Lord of the Rings fights too. Because that's kind of how I look at it. Like, you're battling the Witch King, and here comes some Nazgul, yeah. and they're floating around, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I thought that, too, because that's the one where we've had cinematic touchstone, too. Like, we've can say we we've seen, you know, the charge of the Rohan. You, you know, we've seen the, the defense of Helm's Deep. So we have that visually in our head because somebody's put it on screen and shown us what a cool, gigantic battle could look like. Yeah. So every time I think of mass battle, I always think of those scenes from, you know, Peter Jackson's movies and, and others thinking, oh, yeah, like the, the cavalry could come charging in and then mm-hmm. the, the units are hitting each other and there's catapults or flying things and then the dragon comes and does something and the Nazgul come in and grab these people. And, yeah, so I always thought that's kind of cool. And that would be a great D&D. <laughs> now give me the D&D version, which we'll get when we see the movie, I'm guessing, because we saw a strafing dragon, so I'm guessing we're going to get some cool big battle scenes oh, that yeah. we can then use our imagination for Dungeons and Dragons battles. Not seems just, like uh, a Lord given, like one hundred percent. So yeah, um, yeah. So uh, well, I kind of want to keep talking about Dragonlance, so let's do that. Yeah. I'm going to move this this thing to this over here. Um, it, Dragonlance is not out, but like the early access is. Yeah, lots of the influencers have it. Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of people making videos and what have you about it. Uh, friends. And then if you pre-ordered it, it's available on D&D Beyond. I did not pre-order it. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about it. So this book is 224 pages, uh, which I think the people were comparing it to, like, uh, Curse of Strahd is, like, 290. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other adventures are in the, like, 290, 300-ish range. I mean, Eberron is a very different book from this, but it really shouldn't be. Uh, but Eberron was uh, 336 or something like that. Um, and I was surprised, because I, in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is going to be like Eberron Rising from the Last War, where it's, here's how I run games in the world of Eberron. And so this would be, here's how I run games in the world of Dragonlance. Uh, it is not that. It is mainly an adventure. So first to 11th level, you have this mm-hmm. big adventure. And I think they were really pushing for that last little bit of the adventure is going to be this giant war and dragons everywhere. And you're going to take part in this mass combat kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, p- characters in Dragonlance are meant to be 
extra powerful. So within this system, you're taking um, everybody gets like a feat at first level. You're taking yeah, extra feats, like nine new feats, along with your ability score increase. Um, so nine brand new feats, uh, the mass combat mechanics, eight new magic items. But yeah, um, there is a and then your backgrounds give you extra things. And so if you take the Mage of High Sorcery background, you get some uh, like meta uh, meta magic abilities and things like that. Um, and then what I thought was cool is you can actually take your version of the test. And then when you finish that test, you can get uh, you can choose your color of your robes. So red, white, or oh, black, nice. which is kind of cool. Um, and there's some information there on the gods and things like that. But looking at the table of contents which people posted it's like it's all adventure like here's like you know part one here's how you build a character boom here's how you run this entire book and so if you want a dragon lance adventure i think that's really cool uh the more i was reading it though they uh despite tracy hickman and margaret weiss uh writing new dragon lance novels and there was that whole like suing debacle with hasbro where they were like mm -hmm. hey you license us for this and now you don't want us you're canceling it. We're going to go back and forth. And then they finally were able to finish the book. And I think Margaret was at Gen Con doing book signings. I didn't see her there. But this last Gen Con, she was there because the book was out. Uh, Wizards hasn't really promoted that much. Like, I haven't heard much about this, like, Dragonlance book. Yeah. Did, did they, in the lawsuit, did they win the right to the book so they could publish it or no. did they win that hasbro no. had to publish it for them no it was it was like you've contracted us to make to write a book so you either need to pay us the exorbitant amount of money for no book because we were contracted for it or allow us to write the book and so they were like oh well we'll allow you to write the book and so they did um from my understanding i could be wrong so i was sad because so uh tracy hickman and margaret weiss they have this Dragonlance setting book or this Dragonlance adventure was written without their involvement at all. So it was like, that okay, was well, we don't care on. what you say. <laughs> yeah. um, and I thought that was kind of sad. And from what I'm not a Dragonlance, um, I don't know the lore as well as other, as like the realms or something. But um, from what I read online, the true they realms. were saying like the things that make Dragonlance essentially Dragonlance have been stripped from this adventure so that it really is a generic fantasy adventure that anyone can run. They don't want people to feel intimidated by the lore when they pick up a book like this. Uh, so it's not an Eberron book where Eberron really had like, here's all the tools I need to run a really cool Eberron game. Here's the lore. Here's the gods. Here's this. This it's is not a campaign guide. Yeah, it's not a campaign guide. And I think that's what I was hoping for. And I'm a little mm -hmm. sad that it's not that. And then the fact that they're doing this without Tracy or Margaret makes me think of Spelljammer, where like they didn't contact uh, was Zeb Cook or whatever. They didn't contact him and say, uh, you know, hey, you want to like work on some Spelljammer? And he's like, I, I didn't know they were making that. Cool. <laughs> Hope it's cool. And it wasn't as cool as it could have been so yeah. i don't know uh we'll see if people run the adventure and the adventure is really fun that's cool but at, at this point i think it's to me looking at this it's like well if you want an adventure pick it up but the nine new feats and the eight new magic items it is not worth the full price tag of it so yeah and then and, i don't know how i would incorporate that board game into a non dragonlance kind of battle 
you know i don't think the board Mm -hmm. game's going to be super modular i think it's going to be well it's made for this and you play it Mm -hmm. like that so i could be wrong who knows but yeah and i think it's we know they've been trying to i don't even know what the word is but not make the campaign books that they're building so specific like you said that you feel like it's only meant for that. They really want their books to be, you can add this to your campaign, or you can use this even if you're running a Dark Sun campaign, or you can use this no matter what, just because you like the mechanics or you just like that. And on one hand, there's a positive and, oh, that sounds cool. But then on the other hand, when you take out the stuff that makes it different, well, then now, you know, now we don't have those things that make it really different. So there's a negative there too. (laughs) The positive used to be, Hey, this is something new we've never seen, and it's a yeah, it's a different world, and maybe I'll have to run a campaign if I want to be in that world, and I'll have to know more about it. But it's different than running Forgotten Realms, or it's different than running Greyhawk, or it's different than running these other ones. So I don't even know. Sometimes I'm on one side of that, and I'm like, yeah, that's great, make it so I can run it in any campaign. And then the other times I'm on the other side of it. No, no, make it more specific so I have this cool stuff to dive into. <laughs> and I, I agree. And, and, you know, maybe it comes down to the setting specifically. And yeah. so the fact that uh, this was so... Like, Dragonlance is very much medieval fantasy, European medieval fantasy, just like the Forgotten Realms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that I think a lot of people play in that kind of world, it would make a lot more sense to have this be somewhat generic that I could run it wherever. Yeah, you could run this in a Mercer um, world. I mean, this yeah. could be a and so In that aspect, maybe it's cooler that it's a, a an adventure because I could pick it up and I could I could run it in any world kind of a thing. Yeah, but if you're um, a super Dragonlance fan, you wanted the Dragonlance sad, encyclopedia. <laughs> you wanted yeah. the the deep dive lore book. You wanted the yeah. <laughs> so I could see that too. So. Um, but. Uh, your other side of it, like, uh, if I'm going to, I don't know, let's take Theros. Like, Theros, I thought, was ah, a pretty good book. Very um, specific. They introduced the piety system. And that system mm-hmm. was like, oh, I can, like, worship gods and gain extra powers from gods. And I looked at that, and I was like, well, the the worlds are diff or the, the gods are so kind of Greek generic. I feel like I could apply those templates to any of my gods if I want Any pantheon, to. right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I thought that was like a good system that I could take and then put into my world. Or I could just run a really cool Theros game. Yeah, like, Ravnica, you know, same way. I thought that was really cool. Uh, Ravnica had the guilds, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So, Ack Inc., same way. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. Like there's lots of rules in Ack Inc. that I can take and do that, even though that's said in the Forgotten Realms, but... I, I hear what you're saying. Like, it had these systems, these tools. Yeah, I want to make sure we weren't just pointing out Magic the Gathering one for all those Magic Well, and I was just going to point yeah. out, yeah, like, <laughs> I think Magic books. the Gathering, I think they took I a Magic the Gathering approach to this. Well, no, yeah. they didn't, because those Magic the Gathering books are very um, campaign setting-esque. They're, they're there yeah. to help you run a game in that world, whereas this is an adventure in that world. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so... I don't know. I I honestly don't think it's for me. I my dog's barking. Uh, I don't. Your I wasn't super either. interested in it, and I kind of was still on the Spelljammer. Uh, I'm sad about Spelljammer train. So I'm like, well, I just don't think I'm going to spend money on this. I'm not going to pre-order it. We'll see what happens when it comes out. And now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, I just am not that interested in it. It yeah. would have to be a really cool, like all the adventures that I haven't run. I don't want to rush out and pick up Dragonlance. That's not the first one I'm going to grab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I would definitely I, look looking yeah. at my wall. I'm like, well, I'm gonna run Tomb of Annihilation tomorrow. You know, so yeah. If I had a dungeon master that was super excited, they loved Dragonlance and they were just itching to get a party together to play Dragonlance. I think that's where it would start to interest me, and I'd want to go get it more. But I don't see it being me being the dungeon master that's gonna yeah. run it, or because again, I'm. I'm so vested in Forgotten Realms or all of these Kickstarters or all of these other things that we've done. I'll, I'll run Plangea or I'll run, you know, some of the stuff that yeah. Mike Cook put out for 5e Tolis or, you know, some well, of this other that, stuff. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I'm more excited about um, things like Tolis. Like, I would love, I yeah. don't know. Like, I just oh thought, but that is, I guess I like lore and I like what mm-hmm. makes this world unique and cool. And going back to Theros, it's like, okay, here's how you run, like, an ancient Greek kind of... I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I, that's really cool. Or uh, Tolis is like, this is this huge passion project that Monty Cook has had. Like, the dude, that sounds so cool. Like, I love it. But when you take the people that are most excited about Dragonlance, the authors, and mm. don't include them when making your Dragonlance <laughs> book, it kind of feels like, oh, well then what's the point, I guess, you know? Like you were saying, yeah. if your friend is super excited about Dragonlance and he wants to run a Dragonlance game, that gets you excited. But if your friend shows up and he's like, well, I don't know, I've got this thing. like, Yeah, there's not a lot of excitement I mean, there. <laughs> I guess, I guess uh, the dragon is Tiamat. It might also be its own thing. I don't know. I don't really care. You're like, well, now I'm it. not invested. So <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's kind probably of sad because it's it's just like Spelljammer. There's lots of Dragonlance fans out there who are probably super the cover excited looks for awesome. this. Uh, yeah. Uh, appar- Lord Soth is in it, but apparently he's like so powerful that he's out of the player's reach to even like harm him, which is kind nice. of like, okay, well, you could use it later on. I don't know. Um, and then WizKids had a thing where if you pre-ordered some Dragonlance minis, you got a Lord Soth mini for free, which I kind of want to do just because I – think that's a cool mini to own like mm-hmm. it's like oh yeah the artwork around all that stuff's really good and, and the wizards has always done that is artwork, classic so. <laughs> dungeons and dragons was Dragonlance artwork was you know mainstay of what captured your eyes on the shelves when you're going through that section some of their artwork was the stuff that drew you to dungeons and dragons and to see some of the other stuff because yeah. the artists that were working on that were doing some crazy good cool art um jumping to another topic uh yes. that was my segue nicely um, done thank you <laughs> professional even uh we talked about it two weeks ago uh the open game license and we did uh, there were lots of like rumors you were upset and, about this uh taron who is uh indestructible um kind of put his his uh, youtube on the map because a lot of companies were like referencing his youtube video because he had inside knowledge or something i don't really know anything about it uh and he was very vague about it because he probably doesn't want to get people in trouble, but that they were wizards of the coast wants to kill the OGL was kind of what we heard. Mm -hmm. But then a lot of people came out and they're like, well, they can't, they can make it that one D and D doesn't work, but like you can always make content for third edition and you can always make content for fifth edition uh, under the OGL. Like it's a non revocable thing. Yeah. And the point of that. Uh, I wanted to bring that up because we were talking about it in some Discord servers that when 4th edition came out, Wizards of the Coast didn't like the OGL for 3rd edition. And so they (laughs) restructured it and called it the Game System License. And so it was the GSL. 
and it's specifically for fourth edition and it is heavily like we can revoke this at any time we yeah. control the game there's we can deadlines make stuff on it. for there's, it yeah. but like we <laughs> won't allow you to do this and this and this and uh a lot of people like you know paizo's reading this and they're just like no like i'm not gonna no i'm not i'm as a business owner i am not going to create a bunch of stuff that you can just say no revoke. thank you and so uh, that was another reason that fourth edition didn't succeed because it didn't have that third party uh, push behind it. Mm -hmm. um, I could see that. And so with fifth edition, I'm sure Wizards was like, guys, it's OGL or nothing. Like if we want this to succeed, we kind of have to do that. So they they made it they made it OGL, and I that's partially the reason I think it is succeeding because you have the Covils out there, you have mm -hmm. the Cobalt Press, you have the Pizos making fifth edition products that are sometimes way better than the original products, you know, all those Kickstarters. Um, mm -hmm. So Wizards got wind of this, and I don't know why, but they decided to make a public statement. Uh, well, but this isn't a public statement on the sense of uh, comicbook.com reached out to them. So this isn't like Wizards putting on a website, like here's our stance on the OGL. But they did come out and say, we will continue to support the thousands of creators making third-party D&D content with the release of 1D&D in 2024. While it is certain our open game license will continue to evolve just as it has since its inception, uh, we're too early in the development of 1D&D to give more specifics on the OGL or the SRD, which is the system reference document. Um, and that's fine. And a lot of people were like, yay, Wizards are on board. We're They're going to support third-party D&D content. And I'm like, this doesn't say that they will it says that it will continue to evolve um mm -hmm. i don't know why everyone's really excited about that answer it's like they they didn't say they were going to kill it but like no company's going to do that they don't want to they don't want to be and alienate their fans and be like hey y'all give us your money or nothing um mm -hmm. but they just said it will continue to evolve that being said they can't get rid of the ogl for fifth edition so <laughs> if Wizards of the Coast doesn't include an OGL for 1D&D, allowing us to make 1D&D content. What's going to happen is uh, everyone's going to re rede redefine 5th edition in some new cool way, and I think people are going to be playing that, I honestly. And you're going to have another Pathfinder where people are going to take 3rd edition and they're going to turn it into Pathfinder, or 3rd edition, they're going to turn it into Dungeon Crawl Classics. Mm -hmm. uh but i know what hasbro wants wizards of the coast wants one dnd to be the end-all be-all of dungeons and dragons and that it will be patched through the web and your main interface for it will be through the web and it'll when you get new based. things it'll be yeah. like well if it's not through the web then it doesn't work at your table because you're all playing sure. through the web so it's like well why don't you put your product through our dms guild version and we'll take 50%. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. It's it's definitely corporate thought being put on a product that we all like that used to be niche enough that it, maybe the big companies didn't want to try to drag it in. But all companies these days, I mean, me and you work for software companies and everything's about subscription-based IP oh, yeah. control. Um, look at using Photoshop and that kind of, you know, like the Adobe license. Everybody wants to go to the Adobe license of you pay us to use our software. And if we can get it so that you have to pay us every time you turn the software on, that's even better, but they don't think the, the crowd will go for it. So 
monthly subscription is as far as they think their audience will go. But if they thought they could get every time you clicked was a yeah. cent or every 10 cents, they would do it. Every time you saved an image in Photoshop, <laughs> yeah. you pay if us If they thought they could cents. get away with it, they would do it. So, And um, I just think no, this and is a you're, All companies are doing that. And you're right. Yeah. I, I work for a software as a service company. Subscription-based. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and it works. And it's this idea of, like, you don't need to buy – you know, Adobe seven, because we'll just upgrade your Adobe. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and that's what they want. And so it's like, you don't need to go buy the new edition of D and D. We're just going to constantly up mm-hmm. evolve and upgrade the edition that you, and have. we have so. absolute control of our IP again. Like we don't have, there's nothing out there that just, you know, cause I think six years ago, eight years ago, even I was just looking it up. So third edition was in 2000 when they first did the OGO 1.0, you were, I just seen now, the GSL was in 2008. And yep. then for 5th edition, it was January 12, 2016, when they did the 1.0A version. And so those, those Which years i Which was two I'm years seeing, after the launch of 5th edition. Yeah. So I want to keep that in mind. Like, when 1D&D hits, we're going to have a couple years while they figure out the waters of how they want to do this. But uh, it was two years after the launch of 5th edition that they finally... Yeah. Said, okay, and I think you can make in that space, it. open source stuff, there's still a big community that would push that and would want that and, and herald that and, and champion it. I think that group that does that is getting smaller and smaller now, though, because everything seems to be, let's get rid of open source. Let's get rid of you own records and music and movies. And let's get rid of you own software. And let's get rid of you own. Yeah. You don't own Windows anymore. Away, if you, um, yeah. yeah like i don't you want know, you listening to this without paying no, money. this is yeah. ours yeah <laughs> yeah and so there's a big push with like records and stuff and and music i mean and if you think about music when here's the thing like i love music and i was thinking about it and we were talking like when's the last time you bought a cd or like a record or a tape or something and it's like you start thinking about it you're like man i mean I have some CDs from college. Has it been like 20 years since I bought a CD? Yeah, I think it like has. MP3? If not 30, <laughs> you know? And so you start thinking about it like, oh my gosh, they did it and I didn't even think about it. They won where I'm not buying music anymore. I'm relying mm-hmm. on all these streaming services to listen to music. Pandora. <laughs> and now they're paying the creators less money, like pennies, every time that song is played, as opposed to yeah. the creator getting like $10 when I buy a CD. And then I can listen yeah. to it as little as much as I want. Yeah. Um, rem- I remember when DVDs came out, uh, they were trying to create a DVD that would, uh, for lack of a better word, self-destruct. So mm-hmm. it would degrade after every time you play it because VHS tips degrade and they yeah. were really scared. Like this is a digital medium. The digital DVD doesn't degrade. How do we, how do we get them to buy the same movie again? It doesn't make you any scratch sense. Scratch it a bunch. <laughs> uh, and so, and then a lot of environmentalists, rightfully so, were just like, you're creating thousands of e-waste by doing this. Like you yeah. know, like if you bought it, you should have it. You should be able to do what you want with it. And that's how I believe, you know. And that's why I think I think Wizards of the Coast will always sell physical books, but there's a reason of having that physical book on your table is important because mm-hmm. you know one D and D or D and D Beyond, for example. Like I own a lot of stuff in D and D Beyond that I don't have a physical book for, and if they shut yeah. down the servers, it's gone. Like, well, yeah, but if I have the... the physical books, I could still go and do it. 
Like, yeah, yeah. that's and why I think PDFs are example. so good too. But Wizards will never do a PDF because they don't yeah. want you to have that digital medium without paying for it. Yeah. So. When's the last time you bought a computer game physically and not just on Exa- your Steam yeah. library? <laughs> you're right. And and I I love Steam, but no, you're absolutely right. Like, if Steam shut down tomorrow, it would be like, well, dollars it's gone. And I would be out. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine what would happen. But at this point, video games are <sighs> so difficult because... Everything is like, if I, st- I I'm th- okay. I'm thinking about Diablo three. That was the last video game I bought, or C- you know, a CD game, and yeah. you put that disc into your system. I shouldn't say that because I bought Switch games, but let's talk about PC games. Yeah, so I yeah, put yeah. Diablo consoles 3, are still doing yeah, it. <laughs> I put Diablo three into my computer. Uh, if if Wizards shut or Wizards if Blizzard shut down everything tomorrow, I mean I could play like one dot zero dot two version of diablo 3 but like i know that there's so much patching and content going on they've also created an environment where like i can't play it without the internet i can't play it like this you know yeah they host the servers yeah and so you're just like uh there's no local single multiplayer or local player on my computer anymore (laughs) uh without the internet it won't work so yeah uh that's a whole other tangent but i don't know oh and i'm dropping frames i'm sorry guys oh, something's no. going on but it, it, the analogy would be almost like at your your table your kitchen table is hosted by steam <laughs> so they pay for your kitchen table and all your friends come over and play dungeons and dragons on your kitchen table but one day steam comes in and says now nah, we're closing down we're taking your table like, yeah, hey, yeah. I, we play on this table <laughs> no and uh think about vanilla wow and stuff there were all those people yeah. who figured out a I way the boxes well, they figured out a way to host a private server to play the game how they By want. And it's that, like, yeah. you've literally it's gotten Ascension. like thousands of dollars from each of us for playing WoW for however long or Final Fantasy XI. Uh, I'm 11. still playing it this and week. And then it's like, Blizzard's like, well, we'll host our own vanilla servers. <laughs> and so you're like, okay. I, I get it. We're, we're scared of piracy and we're scared of losing money. But it frustrates me when customers when companies come out and they're just like, we've lost $11 billion because of piracy and this. And I'm like, those people weren't going to give you their money. Yeah. Like you literally lost imaginary money. Yeah. I we made, don't like this idea that it's yeah. like, well, that's a potential customer that I lost. So therefore I lost this money. But no, last year we had a 24% increase in profits. So we're yeah. still doing pretty good. Well, no, you, and, uh, you're still increasing profits. So now I'm on a problem. tangent. So angry. <laughs> I hate companies. That's like work for one. But anyway, uh, my company is actually pretty good. So I throw the... those stones too until I own one of those companies. And I'm sure I would be exactly the same person that says, can't we find a way to monetize this? Because there's all these Probably. people do it. You know, when I'm at that, I get it. You know, you, you start to make money. You want to make more money. I, I'm not going to throw stones and make it seem like I'm morally better than all of them i'm probably gonna do the same thing if i had but then money cook games comes out and i'm like i think they're morally better than other companies i believe that too i think they're goodman games i'm like i think goodman games is morally better because they're like hey do you want to make content for dungeon crawl classics it's free here you go make content we'll host it on our website if you want us to if you don't host it on your own web not going to come after you not going to sue because they just want the game to be successful and the more people that can build it up Whereas these executives look and they're just like, that's a lot of million dollar Kickstarters for. Yeah. Until the toy company comes and buys out Goodman Games and buys out. Well, (laughs) yeah. And that's the other thing is, you know, (laughs) Wizards of the Coast buys Paizo and then all of a sudden Paizo is. Yeah. It's back to corporations. Corporations are evil. It really comes down to the fact that I don't like when a company is public. 
and and Steam is not public. Like because Valve they start is not. To, yeah, everything's then profit it's like based. We need to grow. We have to continually grow, yeah. and it's impossible to continually grow. And so, increased. looking at something and saying, how can we be successful and self sufficient, and like keep our inner workings going and happy you know but this idea mm -hmm. of like well we got to keep growing we got to keep expanding yeah. you can't expand forever like there's no there's no good billionaires they're all evil <laughs> you, you only get that amount of money if you are an oh. evil person i'm sorry jordan is on a super rant this morning let's talk about paizo <laughs> where there's no december releases go ahead there's no billionaires <laughs> at paizo right now no evil billionaires oh they're all evil Anyway, uh, yeah, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Rant over. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought there wasn't really much for their December releases. They are releasing that book that we looked up at our last show, which was they're helping publish. Um, I think it was Cobalt Press's book, or who did we find out that actually was doing that? It was somebody else, but they were also promoting it on their website and selling it. And it was their um, The Beast book. Toma Beast number three, yeah. three. Toma Beast three, and so that's coming out in December. But it looks like it's just flip map stuff and some adventures and some um, adventure paths, but nothing, no big books I saw in December. I think it's really now we're going to cruise through Christmas. They have all these sales that are on for Paizo. They put out a ton of content for the twenty twenty year, twenty twenty two year. This is kind of like then, the, buy this for Christmas. Yeah, kind of there's thing. so much yeah. stuff you can go buy. We don't really need to release another big thing here. And then when January, February, you know, March kicks off, boom, we're into the big 2023. And now all of a sudden, here's all these cool books they've announced and all this stuff that's going to be coming and just looks super exciting. And they're really pushing boundaries and they're going full bore. I mean, they are going full on publication and building lots of stuff. And I think it's um, it's fun to see that competition out there really kind of punching back finally at the the big Wizards of the Coast. I love Dungeons and Dragons. I don't. I'm not a big Wizards of the Coast hater uh, like we'll see it everywhere else, but I do like that there's competition pushing them, and I do like that there's competition that they have to worry about. And I love that Monty Cook is out there building games like Invisible Sun to really just throw wrenches in everybody's idea of what has to be these games. And then we get these other things, you know, Numenera and, and all these other cool stuff. I can't wait to see what their 2023 stuff is. I can't wait to see Cobalt Press. I mean, now that the, they made an OGL for the Cypher system, and I, yeah. I really am curious what other creators And I think that's a with great that. system. It, it is. is. such a fun system. Um, and now that it's open to the OGL, like, I think it's one of those things where a lot of creative people will make creative things for it. So. Yeah, I hope so. So there was, we didn't have too much for Paizo, so our Paizo fans... Um, didn't have a lot to bring to the news this week. I went around and just looked to see if there was anything really cool. And it was like, I think we've already really talked about it and announced it. So I think for the rest of kind of this holiday season, we won't have too much Paizo stuff. But then, you know, once January kicks off again, that'll be a much bigger thing where we're getting all these cool books. Because some of the things they have announced that are coming look super, super cool. So, but we're not going to get them for a bit. So... Other than that, I noticed some. I saw some Kickstarters while we were didn't have our show last week, and I was just perusing around. I think most of these had completed in the past week, just before Thanksgiving. They'd got mm -hmm. all their wrapped up. So, Unglorious was one that I saw. I don't know if it was one that I would recommend everybody jump out and buy or anything, but I wanted to point out because I thought it was a cool idea. I'm a sucker for player options where you can play undead or like werewolves or vampires could be a playable race in your campaigns and even just zombies or liches or things and 
but you start out at low levels and you're building your power and you still can create your own story of this tragedy of you died. Now, what is your story? What are you yeah. now that you've been raised and how do you, you know, what do you do with that? And I think that's a cool kind of storyline that can be told for a character in amongst the other party members and what they're playing. But this idea that maybe you're a revenant or maybe you're a, you know, you're a zombie or you're a skeleton warrior or whatever. Mm -hmm. And maybe you get stronger throughout the thing and you become, you know, you start out as the first level skelly kind of gang, but eventually you get better and better. And maybe you get to be something cooler and cooler and cooler. And by the Mm -hmm. end, you're like the bone dinosaur giant champion or something. I don't know. (laughs) You know, just be like some cool thing. So I think that's cool. And um, so they had, that's what that book is about. Um, it's their own system, so it's not 4 or 5e or anything. I'm not recommending you go out and get it, but you could look at it. They are releasing that in English and Italian, which I thought was cool. So some yeah. of the other countries out there that are doing that. Red Sky I saw was a – I've been seeing a lot more of these, and I think it catches my eye because it's science fantasy. Just like um, Starfinder catches my eye because it's science fantasy. Just like you know, Spelljammer catches my eye, science fantasy. Um, so Red Sky looked really good. It had just um, finished up on its Citadel of the Unseen Sun. Just was a cool name and cool artwork. I didn't know much more about it. This, this is a 5e thing. This one launches on November 29th. So when we get to next week, um, and maybe in next week's show, we'll be able to talk about it a little bit. Maybe they contacted you for for, for talking about it on your no, show. No, 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 they <laughs> haven't. Uh, but I love but, the name of it, Citadel of yeah. the Unseen Sun, and the artwork looked really cool. I think... From what I saw in the blurb, I think the campaign world is the sun set and then all of a sudden never rises again. Mm-hmm. And what do you do from that? Like that's your that's your hook, right? You have your party members. You have Even if that's not even what it is, I think that's what I read. And if it's not, you know, I'll see it when they actually launch their campaign. But I love that idea. Just like when we talk about the cliff, which is I know still the horrible name for it. <laughs> but it's that tagline of that here's this one sentence that blows your mind and makes you think of all the possibilities. That thing of the sun sets and then it never rises again. And the campaign starts right there on that day, on that morning. That is a that really blows cool idea. My mind, yeah. You know, that's like, like what happens. Your what whole life on? has been, you know, yeah. I mean, the sun rises every day and yeah, it's not like it, it's cloudy. It's just like, no. guys, <laughs> yeah. like what happened? Yeah. What happened to the sun? Yeah. That's what is going on. What are the ramifications? Be, really cool. What happens to, I mean, people would go crazy. Things would change. Environmental problems would happen. I mean, just so much could happen that I think would be a very interesting campaign to run. And I think for players, it'd be very exciting to play through something like that. So sit, I'm going to check that one out when it comes out. And then me and you are huge, huge dinosaur fans and I saw Dr. Drolin's Dictionary of Dinosaurs for 5e. Oh, you did send me that. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, and I was just like, this is super cool. Anything that lets me have lots and lots of dinosaurs that I can use my polymorph spell on so that I can play in Dungeons & Dragons and I can turn into these things, or I can have them as mounts or pack animals, or I can use them as pets for my hunter, beastmaster class that I'm going to play for Matt Kova, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Dinosaurs are cool. And if you want to play Numenera or you want to play science fantasy then you can have dinosaurs that have lasers you know dinosaurs with guns on their back and just like there are so many cool things dino wars is just my my mind gets blown when i think about adding dinosaurs to anything it's i think it's why i love uh arc survival evolved on the computer so much is because you're you just land on this island and then all of a sudden all these dinosaurs are tameable and you Mm -hmm. acquireable and you can breed them and have more of them and 
use them as combat pets or just regular pets or use them to haul stuff for you, cut down trees and things. You know, you're just like, this is so cool. So that's another cool one. Dr. Drolins, D-H-R-O-L-I-N-S. It had a big link, so I didn't throw it in there. But um, Dr. Drolins, oh, Dictionary yeah. I, of Dinosaurs. Okay. So I was a few days on it, I believe. That's cool. So. Um, but what did oh. Jordan get to play while I was uh, off on my um, adventure tournament well, run? Yeah. There's a book that I need to get. Hang on. Okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll cover. So. I was gone last week, and I posted on Twitter a picture, I believe, and then um, so I was at a tournament doing medieval fighting for a, kind of like a reenactment group. Uh, it's not really LARP because we don't have characters that we play, but it is full combat and it's like full stuff. And I braved the super snowstorm that was happening. The one that you heard about in Buffalo, New York, was not as bad as it was here in Michigan, but we did have a big snowstorm in Michigan on Saturday. Crazy. So I was driving my my way there to the tournament and then back and have some cool video of that. But Sorry. what was Jordan doing no, during uh, my big snowpocalypse? You were saying Citadel of the Unseen Sun on the Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, and it made me yep. think, I'm like, do I have that book? What what <laughs> sun thing do I have? And I have uh, this, this book is called, uh, it's got really cool oh, artwork too. Yeah. Um, and this is called the Sun King's Palace. That's and it's actually thinking. an underwater palace. Like the Sun King's ancient palace has gone under the water. And, yeah. and this is a, a dungeon-y um, adventure thing for the OSR. Um, cool. So I was like, that's why I was looking. I'm like, what is the name of that book? Is it? I can't. And I was looking through my PDFs. I'm like, do I have this? I have to get this so, book. <laughs> I'm sorry, because I, I, I love it. I thought that was a really cool idea. Yeah. Um, I have played, uh, I just played my, my Thursday game with... Uh, uh, my great Modron March game. And so you guys some... played on Thanksgiving night? You guys no, played? no. This was last week because we didn't. Oh, that, okay. Last so week, last so week. We yeah. did not play on Thanksgiving. Um, but yeah, uh, we did had a lot of fun. They they ran around. They leveled up, which they're very excited about. Mm-hmm. And uh, they Wait. are, yeah. Lex is building a simulacrum. So he's getting enough money to actually do that. So that's something we're going to have to, Jordan will have to deal with as there will be two shifters running around. <laughs> Did we ever hear how LB's court case happened or, or turned yeah, out? I yeah. Don't even uh, we ever... <laughs> she went, she went to court. Uh, yeah. Shifter, Shif- Lex's character shifter was the, uh, of course, Lex was defense the attorney. Yeah. And then I played the prosecution and we brought in a bunch of witnesses. <laughs> uh, you can listen to it on YouTube. Like it was fun. Yeah, it's so and funny. then, uh, unlike an actual jury, which I think has to be like, Everybody has to vote one way or the other. Uh, we put it into chat as a poll. And I think it was uh, like 67% of people said LB should be set free. And so she was right. set free with no All consequences. Right. <laughs> um, so the the audience was the jury. And it was chat funny. was nice that night. Um, and then they regrouped and they went back to the Outlands and they're running around. Uh, they infilt- Another thing, they always throw me curveballs. They went into this area um, where they were vivisecting Modrons, and they were like, well, this is evil and awful. Um, And you should go listen to the thing, but long story short, (laughs) they sided with that lady who was, like, vivisecting Modrons and causing them immense amounts of pain, and uh, they're going to work for her now for a little while. And I'm like, okay. Uh, They went back to a city. They got attacked trying to find their next move, and they now have a guy captive, and they're going to interrogate them that's the next move they have uh but they mm-hmm. leveled up and yeah so um again it's a lot of fun uh we're we're vastly off the rails of the 
great motor on march adventure but i'm kind of using it as a skeletal framework much like rod of seven parts because i know my players and so i'm like they're not going to follow where i want them to go so i just kind of use that and then i put little hints here and there for them to go in the right in the direction i think they'll go but it never happens uh but no it's a lot of fun we're having i've never done high level D &D before (laughs) so the spells they have access to are they now um, they are 14, I think, 13, 14. That's what we are in our campaign, um, where some of us are split level, but it's yeah. like, I'm, I'm a 7-7 seven, seven at this point, so 14, basically. Just the yeah, stuff I've not that, played yeah. this high level. This I've never done it. First. Yeah, I've never, because I get to about 10 or 12 and we stop. So. Getting to 10 is lucky. Like, yeah. most will stop somewhere around like 6 or 7, maybe 8, and then stuff fizzles out, but yeah. And the more I play, the more I really like, um five to ten i think that's my I ideal think so too. i think that's like, where it's at it's where i feel like a hero or mm-hmm. I, when i run it it feels like it's heroic but it's also dangerous and they're at a level now where i'm like i don't think they're scared like i don't really know yeah. what to do monsters don't scare them um and we even talked about it because they were like well when i was in this situation i knew i could dimension door i knew it could do that like they're always like i have ways of getting out and i'm like yeah yeah. So, and not that I want them to be scared all the time, but as a dungeon master, you're just like, man, I don't know. Like, you're right. You have a lot of tools to do, especially yeah. two wizards in a group. Like, it's pretty crazy. So, um, we're having lots of fun. I got a Kickstarter uh, fulfilled, which was uh, mm. Worlds Without Number, which is an RPG. You've you been might about be familiar yeah. with Stars Without Number. Yeah. But Worlds Without Number is the fantasy version of Stars Without Number. And he came out with... Um, a book called the atlas of the latter earth which is basically just a campaign setting for worlds without later or ladder uh ladder like the later or later earth yeah but you could that's potato i guess you can't say but not like ladder l-a-d-d no no not ladder like climbing a ladder but atlas of the atlas of the earth post earth (laughs) yeah gotcha um and uh it's a campaign setting for worlds without number that the author is like this is how i envisioned the world kind of oh. a thing because the original worlds without number is a lot of random tables to generate yeah. cities and things like that. And so he kind of used those to build it. And I kickstarted this. Uh, it came in the mail. I started reading it last night. It's very dense, which is cool. I was thinking, I was like, this book doesn't <laughs> feel as thick as I want it to be, but there's art in it, but not a lot of those full page spreads. And you start thinking you're like, this is a lot of material. So, um but he even says he's like you know run it however you want or if you just need that cool spy village here it is and you can Mm -hmm. throw it in there if you need that barbaric tribe in the north like you can take it so i I love books like that i think they're a lot of fun um and then i this is a I, i bought this pdf a while ago as a recommendation and then i liked it so much that i ended up buying it uh, real life um and i just finished reading through this entire book um, over the Thanksgiving break, which was kind of nice to have time to read. Um, it's called The Magical Land of Yeld. It's a D6 system, which we all know I'm very interested in D6 systems. And so I was you reading through this. Uh, and what this is, is really a combination of, um, I don't want to say like D&D, but like, uh, it's kind of like a tabletop version of uh, Final Fantasy 
the world of Final mm. Fantasy. So you can see it's heavily so inspired JRPG by Final Fantasy. Yeah. Kind of stuff. yeah. 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 And yeah. your kids and you wander into the magical world of Yeld. Oh, Narnia. That's what the I saw somebody online they said it's kind of a combination of Final Fantasy and the Chronicles of Narnia. Or isn't because, there a term for that like when you come from our normal world and you go to a game world like Aseki or Asaki or Oh, I don't know, probably. I but. think there's a term for that because it's very popular Japanese style of Yeah storyline that you know somebody normal is pulled into this fantastical yeah. world and that's the idea is like you make your characters and characters are always children and so you're age mm-hmm. seven to twelve so kids on brooms um, like yeah and if you are seven uh it's kind of fun the younger you are the more like potential you have mm-hmm. and and so you have these roles that you're like oh i can do all this other cool stuff and the older you are the more defined the you potential are. you get so that's it's awesome. like i i'm really good at these certain <laughs> things but eventually uh, you're, you're kind of stuck. You're like in your lane and they, that's kinda, it. You're yeah. And, and there's a whole mechanic to like level or to, yeah. there's a whole uh, timekeeping mechanic. So you can age as you're in the magical land of Yeld. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's like black mage and white mage and there's blue magic and all this kind of stuff. It's very Final Fantasy inspired. Um, and cool. it's cool. Well, and I think it's really now. fun. I saw online somebody was like, this is totally marketed for kids. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like it's like a kid's RPG. But it's oh, complex. You're not playing this with eight-year-olds. Like, I yeah. would I would be like, no, this is way too... Like, I'm having trouble wrapping my heads around it. There's no way that a group of, like, 10-year-olds are playing this effectively. Maybe not. Oh. I don't know. But if you're a 10-year-old out there and you want to say, you, you know what, Jordan, we're playing this and we're smarter, do you think? I want you to put in comments. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a really cool game. Lots of really fun uh, artwork. And something interesting sure. about this one is they have comics. They we did were these ten year olds reading D and D first edition. Do you remember how tough that was? <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> they have uh, comic books where they kind of explain oh, like cool. here's a fight scene and here are the dice rolls in the top corner that's so you can super see. Smart. And I think it really helps understand. What's the artwork look like? So. Can we see? Oh, it? it's like super uh, cartoony. Uh, let me find one. But anime cartoony or like hanna Barbera cartoony no or... like uh oh, like yeah, yeah. webcomic cartoony webcomic that's like yeah. hack ink kind of stuff yeah very so, cool um that, it's really cool now i want to buy it now that i just saw that uh i i think it's awesome it has you know what's uh, funny to me a big emphasis on magic items and there's lots of funny weird magic items like there's a pirate hook or and you love magic uh, items. i do <laughs> there's the big bone sword <laughs> there's yeah. the fairy forged greatsword like they have these fu- and then artwork for all of it like yeah it's really cool so uh and it's a big book because it's well i shouldn't say it's a big book like it's a pretty simply system but they have you know all the monsters it's like it's like the dm's guide mm-hmm. the yeah it's everything the monster manual and the player's all handbook one. all in one yeah. so it's funny to me because we're we haven't been talking about what each of us have been reading but i too am reading yeah a japanese rpg called goblin slayer based on the anime but it's made by japanese authors creating their versions of Dungeons and Dragons or what they think tabletop RPGs are. And it's a big, thick book. Like you said, this is how far into it I'm already at. It's amazing. Some of the things they're doing, um, blue mages, white mages, you know, all this cool stuff in here. And I'm just like, it's so different than Dungeons and Dragons in some ways, but yet it's so familiar and so similar, but it's such a great read to read by authors that are just come from a different mindset and really tap into that kind of, you know, those types of games that you might play. Cause I've seen a lot of those like Octopath travelers and these yeah. are all cool worlds that have been built by these creators and they put out these cool JRPG games, 
with big storylines that like Dio Chronicle and you know and in Chrono what was it Chrono Trigger and I'm just trying to think of all the cool games that we would play on our PlayStations and mm-hmm. whatever. Those make great TTRPGs. Final Fantasy. <laughs> Those worlds would be great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we yeah. So Moa Peach, he was saying that the word you're looking for is sekai. Yeah. I S E K A I or something yeah. like that. I S E K A I. Sekai. Yeah. Yeah. That's the I've seen that. portal travel kind of thing. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a it's a, a genre a trope. I yeah. Guess, yeah. Or a, yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. popular in Japan. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah um yeah like Very we're cool. they're just talking now about record of the lotus war and stuff like that and it's like that's that, the one record that's of the, the lotus the war D&D. was inspired by D yeah. and they made yeah. their you D&D had the elf game. you had the dwarf and then you had the class <laughs> of characters that were other elf was a class dwarf was a class yeah the lotus wars was so good that fight with the dragon scene where the dwarf goes running in if you haven't seen this go find the clip somewhere or buy it somewhere where you can get it because that is a cool Dungeons and Dragons fight scene where they fight the dragon and they have mm. to fight a dragon. I just think it's so cool. Go check that it out. It is. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Sorry, I kind of got on a tangent. Now it's 10 minutes after, but <laughs> Magical no, well, Land of Yell, that's cool really stuff. good. Yeah. <laughs> no, now that I saw you open it, I'm going to buy that. I got to find that somewhere. It, was it a Kickstarter? Um, it was way back in the day. But can you uh, buy it now just yeah, from like their store? Yeah, because that's where I bought it. Um, oh, God. Okay. See. Put that uh, link out there. If you search Magical Land of Yell hardcover you can probably find it once i Mine's saw that artwork and the way you described it now i want it i'm at the bottom uh the pdf is on drive through but i know where this I book is it? worth it and it's this big this thick 20 dollars. i recommend and it's just written really well even if you don't know anything and i don't know anything about goblin slayer i'm going into it just as a ttrpg game 20 bucks for a big rule set and cool stuff and I'm that far into it. I can't wait to read more of it. It's really fun. All right. Take us away. Yeah, I was looking for that. But anyway, Google it. You'll find it. Or I'll put it in links below. below. But uh, thank you guys so much. Ah! Whoa. scared me. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Little boy, you scared me. What is going on? You were just kidding. Thank you. All right. What? All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. We will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning DD Show. Bye.